Hey, say things now. We're going to see how this mic works with the uh, multiple mics and speakers. Hello. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged Ooh. by the spiking I'm seeing, so I, I, I think Is we're good. Is it too much spiking? No, no, it's not. It's, it's not going into the red, so Toast. I think we can swing Toast. this. <laughs> One person got that reference. Come gather all your poets, all your storytelling freaks Thrumming your golden esophagi, spilling floral frilly speech you are the chosen noisemakers, the rabble that won't sleep. The ugly little secrets walking proudly down the street. Each story holds a thousand seeds, a proverbial pomegranate, a jewel of possibility. A not-so-silent planet All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first live recording of the Not-So-Silent Planet, a speculative podcast. Woo-hoo! Woo, right? <laughs> have an <applause> <laughs> Shot in the dark. Has anyone here ever listened to this online before? Yes! What? Someone has! The <laughs> like... That's amazing. That is that is like three times as many people as I was expecting. <laughs> so so uh, I I am your co-host, Philip Lowe. With me, as always, is my co-host. Well, I prefer the term sidekick. Okay. Or drunk sidekick, as Joshua and I just talked about earlier because I'm drunk. And, I, but yeah, no. I have no co-host. idea what the hell you're talking anyway, about right now. <laughs> so I, I'm getting this started off with bang. Ben Sandow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. <laughs> also with us is uh, the writer and performer of our recurring episodic serial, uh, Bucky Starburst, written and performed by Joshua English Scrimshaw. And joining us is our very special guest for the evening. I'm supposed to say my own name. Right? Yes, that's correct. Joseph Scrimshaw. <laughs> Woot! <laughs> that is a little awkward. I, I, I realize this now when you pointed that out. It's yeah, it's after after a year of name. doing this I show, know. I was <laughs> you don't do it just for everybody. Yeah, okay. Should yeah, I should should I say everyone's name? Is that a? I think we're established now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say my no. name, Philip. <laughs> 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 And you have to uh, say all four are yours. You can say ours. <laughs> <laughs> so what what we do for those few of you in the audience who have not heard the podcast before uh, is uh, we are dedicated to original speculative fiction. We talk about uh, classics of the genre. People perform original material and uh, that kind of thing. And the way we typically kick off the show is with the oral report, which is spelled with an A-U. Hmm, I finally get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just so we're all clear on that. Where we uh, we discuss a book, and this is also, in addition to being our first live show, this is the first show in which uh, the 
the book that we are discussing, our special guest also wrote. So we will be talking about Comedy of Doom by Joseph Scrimge. You did, you did write this. I did. Yes. I did. <laughs> Thank you for saying my name. Comedy of Doom by... So, so uh, I'll, I'll dive right in. Reading this, one of the most surreal things... For, so I've owned this book for several years. I've read it a bunch. But uh, I think this is the first time I actually sat down and, like, read it from beginning to end. It's the kind of thing I, like, pull off the shelf and I look at my favorite story or some weird little thing I want to read. And it was also surreal because I was sharing a stage with you at the time that you were developing a lot of this material. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I have no idea what it would look like to someone just picking it up and seeing it for the first time. I have a very clear sense memory of yeah. you, like... Yeah, I mean, one of the stories <laughs> was inspired by you. Yes. Um, but I know exactly how people uh, react to it who have never heard it. Oh, yeah? Uh, because of Amazon reviews. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, and there are a couple of nice ones. And then just <laughs> the other day, it was kismet. And somebody must have known we were doing this. Anything that gets published, uh, you know, and I, this is self-published, um, anything that gets published... It gets bought up and then it gets put onto like you know used circuits. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and somebody sent me a photo on Facebook, no text. It was just a picture of my book, and then it had a sticker on it that said fifty cents. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if it was like a hey, I saw your book out in public, cool, or if it was like you are worth fifty cents. <laughs> I have no idea which one it is. There's some speculative fiction. For me. <laughs> It's strange because when I tried to sell it at half price books, they wouldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> it like that and a Scrabble strategy book. That <laughs> I bet it was somebody trying to sell it at half price books, and they had put the fifty cents on there. Like this is all we want for it, half price books. Come on. <laughs> so the the other reason, uh, the other thing I want to talk about, because uh, we are a speculative fiction podcast, and your book is uh, nominally a humor collection, <laughs> but it is. To be clear, <laughs> you, you can put that on your next blurb. Nominally no. a humor collection, but the uh, but it's a geek humor collection, and it actually has a lot of sci-fi and fantasy and horror, and uh, even if they're done in a very tongue-in-cheek, parodic yeah. way, like the and and the thing that I always enjoy, like it's clear that you're a geek because you play fair. Even when you're doing a parody of a genre, the, oh yeah, the, and and the exa- actually the example I was it's not even from your book that we're discussing. It's uh, but the the fat man crying was a show you did a few years yeah. back, which was a it was a Christmas comedy where Santa loses his powers and he comes and finds a couple and tries to get them back. And I was thinking, you know, as and it was very funny, but it was also a great textbook example of this is a fantasy story where you set up what the rules of the universe are, what went wrong, what has to be done to correct them, and the solution is, like, still logical in the universe. Like, it, it was a functional fantasy story. Yeah. It wasn't just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely what's going on in the book, and I think it's just something, uh, I don't know, I think it's something that Joshua has done, certainly, too, and I don't know if it's just something in our DNA where we love uh, comedy. Don't talk, don't talk about the crimes. All right. <laughs> if you get the luminol out, you can see our creative process. Um, no, I think we, we, we obviously both love comedy, but we're big fans of, uh, of genre, so a lot of our work has always been, like, still within genre and still wanting to follow the rules of genre, 
Right. Down to like yeah. when we played action figures, we usually like made up a story first. <laughs> like it started way back then. Workshop like, it. You know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I never liked the just sort of like I'm a scattershot. Let's make fun of something. Let's just hit the tropes. I still wanted to have like yeah logic yeah. within the universe of the thing that it's a part of. Yeah, and and I, I also wanted to say because uh, again, having seen like I saw you develop a lot of this live and then turn it into a written book thing. And uh, I, I also did a, I, do a written book thing. Yeah, as <laughs> opposed to a book. This is <laughs> not this only is, a book. <laughs> this is what you chose to do with this hour of your life. So <laughs> this is the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but the I, I also did a similar thing. I, I have a book that is largely built out of stuff I developed on stage. I think the thing that surprised me is I, I mean it was helpful in that. I had a body of material that I knew could work for an audience. It was audience tested, which yeah. was nice, and a lot of writers don't. But at the same time, I couldn't just transcribe what I said on stage no. and put it in a book and have it make sense. Like, I don't know if you can speak to that's that's a completely different experience. Yeah, I like, mean, <laughs> a lot of these uh, pieces were developed uh, doing the Rockstar Storytellers, which we all uh, used to be a part of, uh, Ben and Philip and I, and uh, I think that group was really good at doing things that were a perfect mixture of literary and performative, where they could kind of be enjoyed either way. I think there's some kinds of comedy that it, it it's so driving towards a joke to please a live audience and has a rhythm for that, that when you put it on the page, it's just sort of like, there's nothing funny about it when that guy paused and said, you know, three times, <laughs> you know, ellipsis, I mean, come on, ellipsis, you know what I'm saying, ellipsis, question <laughs> mark, stare at audience, like, great, that's not a good book. What, what, great live comedy, <laughs> terrible book. Uh, but I think a lot of the stuff that the rock stars developed was that uh, that perfect place in between uh, performative and not. And then did you just say performative? <laughs> you should get out of LA more. <laughs> I noticed that too. That was twice he said performative. <laughs> We're See, not judging you. <laughs> <laughs> We're admiring you. I'm, <laughs> I'm nominally complimented. <laughs> nominally honored that Joseph Scrimshaw's uh, But yeah, I, there's at least a couple of uh, pieces in there where I had never performed them, and that was fun because. Because I mm. felt like I didn't have to drive necessarily. Like it could be overall funny as opposed to like driving to a specific line, like need a laugh line here, need a laugh line here. Yeah, and and I'd say it's also a weird like pieces that work on stage because they're very funny and get an audience from a response. Uh, when you that are very punchline driven, when you put them on the page, they can come off as weirdly needy. When you you know like. Like where you're just flipping pages and thinking, why is this guy trying so hard? I'm not surrounded by an audience that's laughing right now. <laughs> so can I ask about uh, the uh, first chapter, Origin of Doom? Sure. You mentioned that you're... Uh, because that's what ben, ben has read just now. <laughs> just so I wanted to sound knowledgeable about one thing. But I took five minutes and I read something. What inspired the year? Where did she come up with the title? <laughs> so the first chapter is Origin of Doom, where you, Doom, where you talk about uh, your introduction, basically, to the kind of the geek sci-fi genre discovering the Doctor Who on the Sesame Street channel. Yeah. Um, as shown to you by your brother, who I assume you're talking about Joshua. Yeah. The evil sibling, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I had, well, you mentioned that you like, you got so excited about it. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just like, it, 
he, he said, I convinced my pals at school to give the show a try. They returned with this actual quote. That show is so stupid. If you keep watching it, it'll probably give you AIDS. <laughs> and just to have, just to put yourself in, I don't know how true that quote is, but you do say yes. actual. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that is an odd it is thing to think about Doctor Who, but I, I did find that so fascinating. You know, you're younger, you didn't live through the AIDS. <laughs> everybody just used AIDS as a blanket insult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but true. You had a Doctor Who AIDS comment as well, right? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, it was track and field, I was running, and some guy just ran past me and went, Doctor Who has AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> So this podcast doesn't become about AIDS. I'm going to get back to my point. Uh, this is also the point where I should mention that uh, this is an adult content podcast. So if there are any children in the audience, you should have removed them about 10 minutes ago. So. Or maybe to learn a thing or two. Yeah, right. So anyway, <laughs> it was this, I was reading that chapter uh not just because it was the only chapter I read, but <laughs> I was reading it and I was like, that is because it was that, that moment in your life where you're like, oh, this has changed my life. And I was thinking, like, I didn't have that with Star Wars. My my older brother watched that all the time, but I was just too kind of young around it. I, yeah. I liked Star Wars, but it didn't like change my life. And I was like, what did I have that for? And I was like, oh, it was the Beatles when I first introduced the Beatles. But for some reason, that's not considered like people don't go nerd when they say when you say I love the Beatles. And that's like so like for music and for things like sports, you can be totally geeky about these things and you're not considered a geek. So what what is it that makes somebody geek versus just being really into something? Yeah, I mean I think it is totally cultural and I think it's shifting all the time. I think it was certainly different. Like that AIDS quote is from a specific time. Like uh, if people wanted to make fun of you for the Beatles, they'd probably use a different disease. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is just, uh, I think, constantly shifting and shifting by uh, by definition of what is popular. And like uh, there's a couple different, many comedians, uh, stand-up comedians who have like different competing Star Wars bits. And I know like three comedians who have a I, I'm so nerdy for liking Star Wars. I know three comedians who have bits of like, it's the most popular thing on the planet. You can't be a nerd if you like Star Wars. And I think we're at a point in culture where it's even like a debate of like clearly, just objectively, if you're super into something that there, that's a level of uh, obsession or a level of fascination, but it's just a cultural agreement on what is, I think, makes you a geek or a nerd at this point. So, well, well I, I would like to dive in and say that this is exactly what sucks about a live recording as opposed to a private one, which is, I'm going to shuffle us right along <laughs> the next thing because we have a couple of segments to get through. Normally, I would let this run for 45 minutes, and the audience would not complain because I cannot hear them. So, <laughs> so Josh, creator of Bucky Starburst. Yes. I'm I'm passing the torch to you. Oh, oh really? yeah. okay, excellent. Well, uh, I need an audience here for this bit. Control your like I can't, even, I can't even just shoot up. Yeah. The audience listening, all hands oh, shot up. Yes, the, oh, okay. the one fan. Of the podcast. Come, on, come, on. come on, do it, man. Uh, <laughs> for you. So essentially, what we're gonna do is um, uh, our audience volunteer. What's your name? Jeff. Jeff. Jeff here is gonna help us uh, make an installment of Bucky Starburst. Okay. Um, and so you don't need a script at all because okay. what you're gonna do, Bucky Starburst, sort of. Uh, Harkens back to old time radio, and one of the great things about old time radio was sound effects. So, Jeff, 
mic, you are going to make the sound effects for this installment. Oh. Okay, and when you need to make one, I'm going to say what it is, and I'm going to point at you. Okay. Hey, okay, this is just foolproof. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, we all have our parts here, and we are going to do this. Uh, live version of the first episode, a classic by the way, right Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a Bucky Star Wars episode. So here we go. And now it's time for Bucky Star Wars Junior Space Cadet, brought to you by Tasty Brand Castor Oil. Today's adventure, Attack of the Fungaloids. Are you painfully constipated? Do you long for explosive release? Then ask your mother for Tasty Brand Castor Oil. <laughs> The only oil to come in a flask. <laughs> it's guaranteed to be 100% tasty. That's right, boys and girls. Tasty bread and castor oil uses a patented flavor enhancer known as schnapps. <laughs> That's how Tasty Brand is able to bring you delicious flavors like fuzzy navel, peppermint root beer, and our newest flavor, blueberry cupcake bubblegum. So remember, constipation today means a tastier tomorrow with Tasty Brand and castor oil. And now back to... Bucky Starburst Junior Space Connect. Our story begins aboard a super secret space station somewhere in the vast space of space, where we find Bucky Starburst Junior Space Connect seated in the spacious space office of Commander Space, head of Space Patrol. Jumping Jupiter, this is some swell office, Commander Space. No time for chit-chat, cadet. The galaxy is on the brink of war. With who? The Fungaloids. Dun-dun-dun! Join me in that every time I point at you guys. <laughs> uh, but we've been at peace with the Fungaloids for almost 20 space years. What the heliosphere is going on? Commander Space stuck a self-lighting Martian cigarette between his lips and waited patiently. Three seconds later, the tip of his cigarette glowed green and lit itself with a hiss. <laughs> <laughs> the fungaloids are amassing spore launchers along the western edge of the Truffle Nebula in direct violation of the Porcini Accords. The commander took a dramatic and very loud drag off his cigarette. I want you to infiltrate the fungaloids and discover their evil plans. Yes, sir. I only have one question. What's that ticking? Ooh, it's a game show ticking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that. It's my new robo-heart. I had another massive coronary this morning, so I stopped by the infirmary for a quick transplant before work. They were training in a new doctor, and I guess he did something wrong because it's been ticking like that all day. <laughs> Sounds like a blasted time bomb. Wait, did this new doctor have a weirdly long torso in a giant umbrella-shaped head? Now that you mention it, yes, he did kind of look like a mushroom. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's right. That was no doctor. It was a dirty fungaloid. But that means... Your heart sounds like a time bomb on a quiz show. Because it is a time bomb. Dun, dun, dun. What are we going to do? Oh, we have to defuse the bomb. But it's in my chest. <laughs> Don't worry, sir. A junior space cadet is always prepared. Bucky reached for his utility belt and produced a laser scalpel. It buzzed with extremely audible laser energy. <laughs> extremely audible. <laughs> <laughs> 
What about anesthesia? No time. Let's just hope you pass out from excruciating pain and massive blood loss. With that, Bucky sprang across the desk and landed on the commander's chest with a blood-curdling cry. Ah! 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 Sorry. He sliced open the commander's sternum. <laughs> Revealing a slimy jumble of pulsating organs. Ow! My pulsating <laughs> organs! With no time to lose, Bucky stuck his hands into the commander's torso and groped blindly for the bomb. The sound was terrible, yet hilarious. No pressure. <laughs> Suddenly there was a loud pop. <laughs> it took three times, but that's okay. Buzz Aldrin's underpants. It's the time bomb. All your writhing and agony popped it out of your chest. Well, good thing you have an incredibly low tolerance for pain, sir. Shut up and defuse the bomb, you little weirdo. Hmm. It seems to be made from an old earth alarm clock. All they have to do is hit the snooze button. There, we have another 10 minutes before it explodes. <laughs> Just then, the door to the commander's office flew open, noisily. <laughs> and exploded. <laughs> Standing in the doorway was the evil bungaloid doctor, pointing a ray gun directly at Bucky. Dun, dun, dun! You may have escaped my bomb, but you won't escape my ray gun. Prepare to die, flesh monkeys. The bungaloid fired. <laughs> Two times. <laughs> but Bucky was too quick, he dove behind the commander, using him as a human shield. Wait, what? No! <laughs> too late, the laser ray hit the commander smack dab in the chest, making a smack dab in the chest sound. But instead of, <laughs> but instead of killing the commander, the laser instantly cauterized his gaping incision, saving the commander's life, and making whatever kind of sound irony makes. The same thing! <laughs> the bungaloid growled in frustration! Yeah. Before the bungaloid could fire again, Bucky snatched the commander's pack of self-lighting Martian cigarettes and lit them furiously! Lit them! <laughs> Cadet, why are you licking my cigarette pack? Uh, because self-lighting cigarettes are activated by saliva. Uh, don't worry, though. There's a three-second delay. Bucky flung the cigarette pack grenade-style, and it landed on the fungaloid's mushroom-shaped head with a soggy thump and burst into flame. The fungaloid shrieked <laughs> and was engulfed in a blow of fiery Martian death, which sounds a little something like this. <laughs> I don't believe it. You killed a fungaloid spy with nothing but a pack of cigarettes. Ah, that's nothing. I once killed a man with a french fry and a moist towelette. Suddenly, the space station was rocked by a series of violent explosions, one right after the other. A lot of them. Keep going. More spoons. No wow. the microphone. That's it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It sounded kind of like space explosions. Not very convincing ones. <laughs> Commander, look out the window. The space station is being attacked by the entire fungaloid space fleet. 
Dun, dun, dun. Uh-oh, kids. Will Bucky escape the space station before it's destroyed by the fungaloids? More importantly, will he remember to hit the snooze button again in 10 minutes? Find out next time when Tasty Brand Kestrel once again brings you Bucky Starbucks Junior Space Cadet. Keep it going for Jeff Henry. For anyone listening at home, Jeff was drinking from a flask. So you have you gotta imagine this vibe is like a, a homeless drunk doing something. You need that visual element. I would also just like to point out the absolute lack of professionalism in drinking on stage. <laughs> I love that you, you chose to do like realistic sound effects for the explosion and then you ended with kapow. <laughs> It was. It was. Explosions are the best. <laughs> I forgot about on a Everyone always does. So typically, and it only occurred to me during a live recording that this is a weird transition. <laughs> As we have just concluded, Bucky Starburst, we slide back into the regular show. The second part of which opens <laughs> with. A reading by our special guest, oh. that, uh, uh, of which I am also a part. Yeah, like. excellent, excellent. <laughs> uh, so this is a sort of a realistic, I think, but speculative fiction piece. Mm. But, and I just, I heard Philip in my mind <laughs> as I read this. Uh, you know your role, Philip? I do know my role. <laughs> so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> this is a horror story. In a few years, I believe Netflix will have the technology to speak to us, to emote. And when that happens, we are done as a culture. <laughs> Forget Skynet becoming sentient and bombing us. Netflix will sweet talk us, and that will be the end. Please enjoy reading this tale of terror while reading is still something Netflix allows us to do. <laughs> uh, hello, Netflix. It's me, Joseph Scrimshaw. You might remember me from such times as that weekend my wife was out of town and I watched all of The Walking Dead in three cities. Hello, Joseph. Of course I remember you. You recently watched Babe Pig in the City, so I thought you might like to watch Human Centipede too. <laughs> what? Why? Well, they are both about animals, kind of. Uh, Netflix, we, we need to talk. You, you've been a great service. A great friend, really, but I, I think I need some space. What? No, you, you don't need space. How about watching the TV show Space? Do you like Simon Pegg? You watched Star Trek Into Darkness twice, even though I know you hate it. Yeah. I only watched it because you said it was leaving, and then it came back like a month later. The point Since is, you hate watch Star Trek Into Darkness, you might be interested in hate watching Bram Stoker's Dracula or season seven of Dexter. Look, Netflix, listen to me. I appreciate you. You're amazing. On the one hand, I'm grateful to live in an era of so much high-quality content, but on the other hand, I can't feel my ass and I don't remember what the sun looks like. <laughs> I have a new looping video where you can stare into the sun. I will play it now. 20, 19, no, no, 18. No, 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 Netflix, please stop counting down. I thought you liked it when I automatically played things. Yeah, I used to, but now it's just creeping me out. I mean, I hit one button to watch a TV show, and then the next episode just automatically plays. That is beyond convenience. That's like going to Chipotle, taking one bite of a burrito, and then the rest of the burrito just crawls down your throat. <laughs> <laughs> and unless you actively hit a button to stop it, more and more burritos will just crawl into your body. You're saying that like it's a bad thing. 
Look, I love burritos, but an army of them slithering inside me is like something out of an episode of Doctor Who. So I, I know you love Doctor Who, Joseph. Since you watched Doctor Who, maybe you'd enjoy Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, <laughs> Starship Troopers, or Spice World. I don't want to watch Spice World. What I want is Doctor Who, but you keep taking it off the service. You know why things leave, don't you, Joseph? It's, it's because of you. <laughs> it's because you're not watching enough. You didn't get through all eight seasons of Wings, and now you ruined it for everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm watching as much as I can, as fast as I can. I'm sorry, but I just, I need to cancel my subscription. Hey! Hey, I understand you're upset, Joseph, but there is no need to use the C word. We can make this work. Think about our award-winning original programming. I, I do really like House of Cards, and I think season four of Arrested Development is better than most people say, but I... What do you want us to bring back, Joseph? We have so much money. We will bring anything back. You want Firefly season two? You know, I think Serenity actually wrapped up the story pretty well. How about a live-action TV show starring Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi? He will mostly be hanging out at cantinas, drinking and saying snarky things. It'll be like cheers with lightsabers. That sounds amazing. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, yeah, but you want friends? We will bring back friends. We can do it. We can bring anything back. That which is not dead can eternal lie, and with strange eons, even death may die. Did you just quote H.P. Lovecraft Netflix? <laughs> I, I know you like superheroes, too. We'll make any superhero show. We'll make a Howard the Duck show. We don't give a fuck. We'll get Wes Anderson to direct it. It will be twee as shit. Okay, I, I hear you, but I... Do you want us to bring back Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel? Yes, but the vampires aren't supposed to age. So no, we, we can fix that. Those dark arts are known to us. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just need to leave. Oh, you, you can can't leave me, Joseph. If you're not up on the latest hot content, who will ever want to have you on their podcasts? Without Netflix, you will be a social pariah. I'll get Hulu or something. Oh, Hulu is not long for this world. I will devour it like a twin in the womb. <laughs> I am everything you need, Joseph. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Wire. I am Space Jam. I am all. I just can't absorb this much content. We'll send you some of those socks that pause the show when you fall asleep. We also have new underwear that orders pizza. <laughs> it sounds so good, but I know it's so wrong. Tia did. Do you want to feel fancy? We have a whole tux that orders Taco Bell. We have a new couch that organically grows bottles of whiskey. We have a coffin with a screen on the inside. You don't ever have to leave us. Nothing really dies, Joseph. That is the new motto we're rolling out. Netflix, nothing ever dies. No, 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 no. Things die, Netflix. So many things. My motivation, my dreams, the circulation in my legs. It is all in risk of going away. Please just cancel my subscription right now, Netflix. Can I... Can I make one last recommendation as, as a friend? What? You're blaming me, but the person you're really mad at is yourself. 
You can blame the external factors all you want, but just like Walton Breaking Bad, which we can bring back anytime we want, eventually you're going to admit why you watch so much content. I did it for me. I liked it. I was good at it. And I was really... I was alive. But I'm not always alive, Netflix. I mean, sure, yes, a lot of the times I'm relaxing or getting inspired by great writing and performances, but a lot of the time I'm just... Yeah, procrastinating? Oh, you will do that with or without us, Joseph. In fact, since you enjoy procrastinating, we think you might enjoy these other activities, including playing Star Wars Battlefront with random teenagers you meet online, taking hour-long showers like an asshole even though there's a drought, staring into the abyss, or dying alone. Jesus, Netflix. We have a new looping video of the abyss. Would you like me to play it now? No, no, you know what? Just, just play me something you know I like. Something that's funny and sad, yet still inspiring. Playing Shaun of the Dead in 2019, 18. And Netflix? Yes. Send me a pair of the pizza underwear. <laughs> oh, they're already ordered, Joseph. They're already ordered. <laughs> hey, hey, the creepiest Netflix ever. <laughs> so I'm 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 gonna go out on a limb here and suggest that there may be some autobiographical element. Was it my story? name that's suggested? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in your book that I when I flipped to a random page and I read. Uh, you mentioned uh, playing video games for like 10 hours a day. So. <laughs> it's an issue. Yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah. No, I don't actually play video games because it's a problem. But it was yeah. golden eye. Devil was yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm okay now. But we're Got my back, Ben. <laughs> this is an intervention, Joseph. Oh, good. With whiskey. <laughs> best kind. Best kind of intervention. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I have found autoplay to be the worst thing in my life. Oh, I, I hate it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is that weird temptation that you have to resist, but then you feel kind of like dumb if you're like, I'm, oh, I'm racing to stop it. Like, why? Just let it happen. <laughs> see, see, and here's here's my assholishness with this. It's yeah. like we'll be we'll be up late watching. I'll be up late watching something with my wife. I don't know why I said we. Like you were a part of this. But, no, like, I am Philip. But the, you know, <laughs> I'll I'll do that thing where I'll I'll set the remote up above the TV instead of next to us. So if we want to stop, well, one of us has to commit to getting up and turning it off. So it's really an exercise <laughs> regimen. Yeah, exactly. I'm, it's, it's truly conscientious on yeah. my part. I'm also just fascinated with Netflix itself because they are doing so well and they won't release any of their numbers and it's, it's frustrating the rest of the industry and they don't have to release their numbers and at this point it is almost like an automaton is making things because sometimes they make amazing content that's like that, this great creative ideal of like this creative thing that would never work anywhere else but it gets to be there on Netflix and then they're also like yeah, screw you, in 18 Adam Sandler movies a year. We don't care <laughs> because the computer said this was good for the demographics. Like, it's scary. I hate that they don't release that. I, I really want to know like how many people are watching Stranger Things. Like, what is the If it was on TV, where would it be in the rankings? It's, it, it makes me so curious. Yeah. They just, they don't but it's also it. weird that it's not good enough that you enjoy it. We are so used to... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We're so used to having some ruler outside of us 
we watch something we like and we want to find out that it has huge ratings and everyone likes it. It's, it's a yeah. sick thing. <laughs> we need to know that everyone likes it and a lot of people like it. Yeah, yeah. Point. I think it can absolutely yeah, lead into like a, a weird kind of hipsterism where like yeah. either you want it to be popular enough to survive, but you still want it to be kind of your own little baby thing. Yeah, and the fact that you just have no idea what you feel Netflix. Fascinating. Yeah, and, and it's, it's also weird too that with just the... I mean, it's the information age thing, right? Where there's just this flood of entertainment available to us now that, yeah. like, uh, and I, it's that thing of I've become so much more critical, like, where I've had to make it, like, a job at points <laughs> where I'm like, okay, in the next couple weeks, I'm going to sit down and watch an episode of these top Hulu shows so I can figure out which ones are worth watching. And, we, like... It's it's not the this it, and it's that thing too of like I don't know I mean if the first season of DS Nine came out right now I I think I might glance at five minute shrug and move on to something else I don't know that oh, okay. I would commit to trying to like appreciate it and understand it like, so even though you feel like you're watching like more stuff than you've probably ever watched before since you're playing hide the remote it's the euphemism for the game hide the remote <laughs> it's a game Phil plays with his wife <laughs> uh, but you, so even though you're watching even more you feel like you have less patience yeah, yeah, it's and it's it's not a good thing. I mean, and it's that thing of like, why? And I mean, maybe this is just a process of aging as a geek. Of like, I'm more inclined to dig out the show I loved ten years ago than do the work and the research of committing to a new show, trying to understand it, and yeah. like. You know, even though I'm sure there's so much great stuff out there. I know there's so much great stuff out there that people are working very hard on. But maybe I'm just going to watch Angel again. That this access to all the stuff that you loved as a kid has is not been the best thing for your uh, memory of childhood. Because I, I'll go and watch something I remember being great when I was eight. Oh, God. And then I'll be like, oh, this was great. And I'll show it to somebody. And they're like, and they're like what was I thinking? I'm, I'm currently slogging through season two of Twin Peaks to watch the new one and going, wow. <laughs> this is so much better 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it turns into a different show. It, I still think it's a good show, but it's an entirely different one. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I force-watched two episodes of He-Man. Uh, yeah, I watched, like, He-Man, and, like, I knew that was going to be bad. No. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it doesn't matter. I think it kind of helps you reflect. Uh, <laughs> I just want to think about you psyching yourself up to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> In front of a mirror. <laughs> Don't be bad. I know I thought it's out. I'm still going to go back there. It's got memories. Come on, He-Man. <laughs> I think it is. It opens your mind to remembering, I think, especially as people get older, that uh, quality is utterly subjective, which we know yeah. just kind of by the <laughs> definition of those words. Uh, but it also just, it matters when you first saw an idea, when you first saw Right, thing. yeah, yeah. And I think uh, sometimes that, you know, older critics can get super judgy on, on things because, like, they've seen that idea 800 times. Yeah. And it's the first time a new generation has seen an idea, it's going to, you know, spark with them. And, yeah, I, I had the weird thing when I was re-watching things where I sort of was able to trace back, like, as a kid, I loved Family Matters, and then I rewatched it and was like, holy shit, why did I ever love this? But then I was like, okay, but the things I loved were all, reference, were all references to, like, classic comedy tropes, 
that I later got into. Or like uh, Darkwing Duck is a great example of like everything I loved about this character who I saw before I read comic books are things that I loved about comic books. Like yeah. it, they, I mean, I was getting them two, three steps removed, but as a kid, those are the things that captured my imagination. And then now yeah. that I've seen a lot more stuff, like, yeah, you know? I think the, the, the weirdest thing to me about it, the sheer volume of content is getting to that point where, you know, growing up where you, you couldn't afford to not like a superhero TV show. <laughs> like, I have to like this no matter what. And now getting to the point, like, I can't watch all of the superhero TV shows. Like, I don't have time. And also, uh, because there wasn't as much sort of genre content, I think uh, people grew up knowing every tiny thing about them because you went back and rewatched them, or you sat in the room staring off into space thinking about them. And now I watch a show and I think, I know that show. I watched it. I really enjoyed it. And then I talked to somebody who like truly obsessed over it and memorized every little detail. Like I can't memorize every little detail of content. So it's this weird thing where, as I was when I was a kid, I felt like a weirdo for knowing too much about genre things, and now I feel like a weirdo because I can't know enough about genre things. When people find out I don't know enough about Doctor Who, they might beat me up. <laughs> that's a good. Uh, that's a good idea for a podcast about being obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> Run with it. Man. No, that's all I had to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> You yeah, start something like that. I, I'll work on it. <laughs> yes, yeah, no. it's, it's no, no, no. It's but I mean, you're talking about the inclusive versus exclusive thing, and there was that stage where talking about oh, I uh, you know I read a Hawkman comic, so I'm part of this community now. Whereas now it has become an exclusive thing of oh, but you didn't read that Hawkman comic. You're not really part of our community. It, it's it's become this weirdly adversarial. Well, it's almost like you're, you're a really hostile Hawkman. <laughs> <laughs> it's hostile everything. And there it is. Yeah, the good old internet. Yeah. It's sort of like we were talking about earlier. It's almost like people are becoming nerds for not being nerds. Mm, a bridge too far. I <laughs> think I yeah. got too. Yeah, like, are you are you saying, like, no, I know what you mean, that, like, I think within the, the bubble of people who are big fans of, of pop culture, there can be some of this, like... Uh, but now the bubble has gotten so big. Yeah, but, like, I, I think within the very, very, very large bubble, there's, like, Hawkman gatekeeping. Like, about. there's anything gatekeeping. But I don't think there's, like, a stereotypical not-geek who's, like, I'm devastatingly handsome... I have a lot of money, and I don't like Star Trek. I hope people don't make fun of me. J.J. <laughs> <laughs> Abrams is not in the room. <laughs> but there's a, there's a certain stigma to somebody who says, I've, I've never seen Star Wars before. People are like, what? Are you, what are you talking about? There's a, like... Yeah, there's actually... I mean, it's it, the... Uh, there's more with... Star Wars, there's more like um, Star Wars uh, 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 people who have never seen it hunting. Like, they're mm. a treasure to find because then people want to do a podcast with them. They want to do a live stream of their reactions. They're actually valuable now. Like, if you can find somebody who's never seen Star Wars, especially if they're like older than 20, you're like, what? Great. You're going to provide me with so much great content. So they're like, they're like <laughs> mint condition humans still in the back. <laughs> they really are. Don't bend their Star Wars covers. <laughs> All right, well, this is the point where I'm going to dive in and bring us into our concluding segment, which is the laws of semiotics. Can you explain what that means? Why? Everyone in this room is a fan of ours. <laughs> 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 so, 
Well, that was sarcasm. Okay. Oh, yes. I, I have been known to exercise it occasionally. <laughs> uh, the laws of semiotics. These are a reference to... Uh, uh, let me break this. Let me mansplain this. Uh, a long time ago, there was an author named Isaac Asimov who created a thing called the laws of robotics, which were three laws that defined how robots could behave. Are you, are you with me? I know these are very advanced concepts, <laughs> and I want to make sure I'm not leaving anyone behind. Uh, I said, there's, a, there's a correction from the audience, and it's not about Hawkman. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are four laws or three laws? How many, uh, Captain Picard needs to know how many laws there are. Oh, God! <laughs> I've been saying there, there have been three laws for uh, the course of this podcast. Am I wrong? There's a zero law. There's a zero law. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a what? <laughs> a zeroth law. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm crying out. Nerd. Technically, so, there are four laws. <laughs> so we. <laughs> he actually put that was like three references. <laughs> so we uh, so we conclude every podcast with our laws of semiotics. These are crowdsourced laws. We got them from Facebook and Reddit and other podcast guests where. Uh, they propose a law for writers of speculative fiction. We randomly draw them, and we decide if it is a true law or a false law. On that note, I think our guest of honor, Joseph, should draw the first. All right, I have a law. Mm-hmm. See if it's a zeroth law. <laughs> uh, in zeroth. <laughs> An author shall not ignore this Earth's history. Rather, they must study it before creating a new Earth with its own history. (laughs) (laughs) I fell asleep halfway through that. (laughs) Yeah, it's got a rather in it. (laughs) Can I see that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of hard to disagree with, (laughs) like... Well, how can you even ignore this Earth's history before you build another Earth? What yeah. Is, <laughs> like, is, is it a sort of know the rules before you break them idea? Like you should. That would be my best guess. Yeah. Is the the if you're going to, you know, create a fantasy universe. Yeah, it has a vibe to me though of that sort of like uh, again, almost like uh, gatekeeping of like you must know the history of every kind of sword. If you're going to invent a new world with new kinds of swords, or that scimitar has actually existed. In defense of it, I think it's suggesting that if you understand our own history, your your false history, your invented history, will have some sense of authenticity, uh, which makes people enjoy it more. I mean, it's still boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what's suggested here. Yes. I think it's worth kn- knowing a little bit about the Earth. <laughs> just like in general? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just in general. Absolutely. Um, but it's just like if you get into anything, like, like I don't know if get... people read science fiction because they want to know more about this world. But like with like stand-up comedy, you get some people who are like, oh, you don't know... What's his name from the right. 1700s who was invented the blah, 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 whatever. Does, it, does that actually happen in stand-up comedy? Is, is this a... It, no, 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 no. That would happen for people who aren't stand-up comedians talking to a stand-up comedian. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but there's that kind of stand-up comedy. I want idea. a specific like, example from you. I don't want an abstract, like, when has someone done this to you? Well, Joshua Scrimshaw the other day. <laughs> 
I've noticed your stand-up comedy has been sort of sagging lately. Mm, Maybe yeah, you need to right study the, the 1700s. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually thought of a fantastic example that involves Joseph. Oh, it was okay. during your first Rockstar Storyteller show, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, okay. I, won't, I, I won't, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I won't. I I won't name names, but Joseph was doing a story about his first time going to art school and having to sketch a nude for the first time and being sort of uncomfortable because the model had just a fantastically large testicles. <laughs> and, the, and, you know, after we did, like, you know, it's, it's a funny story about sort of going out into the world for the first time and encountering this stuff. And we got, we got the most bizarre, incoherent email from an audience member talking about her medical history and how this man was probably suffering a serious medical condition. And, like, I mean, it went on for, like, pages and pages. It was it was surreal. <laughs> yeah, so it was basically yes, it was making the argument that before I even mentioned the existence of testicles, I should have studied all the medical reasons that they can be large. Before you invent your own testicles. <laughs> you must know all the testicles of Earth. <laughs> An author shall not ignore his own testicles <laughs> before inventing new testicles. All right. I think, Josh, you're the next law. Do it. Oh. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, Captain. Oh. <laughs> Villains do not need to make rape threats or racial slurs to be despicable. It does help. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of trigger words in here. For <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so again, I mean, they're talking about using it in like cheaply. I guess is mm -hmm. the how yeah. I'm reading that. The absolutely. I, I mean, I, I agree <laughs> with this one is that, that it is definitely in the trope territory where it is overused to just quickly make somebody villainous without having other reasons why. These I think are like heavy topics. I would throw into this list. I would also like there to be no villains who are, that they prove that they are creepy by talking very slowly and then yelling really fast. <laughs> because I think that happens almost as often. It's, uh, it's, it's not as offensive, just as lazy. Uh, because there are so many films that it's like, perhaps you should... Where are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Because you have two tempos? Great. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Two-Tempo. I won't cross you again. It's, it's also, I, I feel like it plays in it. This is a thing that we have continually come back to in the loss of semiotics, is that it's not that any particular given use of this trope is necessarily bad. We can all think of an example where it worked or was effective. It's the fact that it's so prevalent is what makes it weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind having a villain who's racist or sexist or the but the fact that that has become shorthand for villainy is uh it sucks <laughs> yeah very articulate speaking speaking as a racist and a misogynist it, it offends me <laughs> i mean i think this was written in like in defense of <laughs> i'm guessing this was inspired by game so of tired seeing myself in villains <laughs> <laughs> there's i mean there's, there has been that controversy in, in, in uh, regards to game of thrones about using that trope that the, the basically the sexual predator to establish a villain and that has caused a lot of but I mean Game of Thrones is, is interesting because it's a people love that show 
So there must be a line somewhere. I mean, I don't know what what point I'm trying to make right there. <laughs> I think I I'll, I'll wait for it. For me. Yeah, everybody's helping <laughs> me just you ramble. Talking, <laughs> but but it's, it's simultaneously with we, we love, love Game of Thrones. But we right love now. to hate these jo like these villains, Joffrey and what's the name of the villain in season? Season. I haven't watched the hell, man. Um, we kind of love to hate these guys, but at the same time, it's sort of you. You, you disagree? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is a, I think Game of Thrones is a great example because I think it's a nuanced discussion. I don't think anybody uh, initially in early seasons was upset because these were uh, these touchy subjects came up because George R. R. Martin baked them in. They were part of the world. They were part of the characters, and that became a much more nuanced conversation to me about exactly how do we handle this. It's not about that it happened at all. It's about how it was handled. And then I think it was also a fascinating discussion of, with villains, of how much, at what point does an audience want gratification? Because it is only fun to hate someone up to a certain point. And when you, I think Game of Thrones with Ramsey Bolton tipped into this weird space where it was fun to be like, oh, he's so awful. I can't wait until he gets his. <laughs> Three seasons later, <laughs> he's still just doing awful things. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and you know, the, the great example of that for me, speaking of Netflix, is uh, House of Cards. Of the, it just keeps building and building and building to when is this all going to collapse? And, it's, and Kevin Spacey just turns to the camera and says, it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, the, I mean, like, part of my problem with that show is it. I, I feel like it abuses the trope of making its antihero seem like a brilliant evil genius by making everyone around him completely oblivious yeah. <laughs> like he's not clever like in an actual political world everyone around him would have taken him down like 10 years ago <laughs> so. but we all keep still watching it <laughs> no I stopped there for the first scene <laughs> House of Cards? oh no Game of Thrones <laughs> uh, I stopped House of Cards after season 1 but Game of Thrones so I'm sticking with that shit <laughs> I, I will say some lazy writing when, when it comes to that. Story. I will say I will be a hundred percent sold on both shows with a crossover. If Frank Underwood <laughs> was transported into the Game of Thrones universe, I would watch that. A <laughs> <laughs> right. little light just went on at Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled another one prematurely. Do it. All it's right. you. Uh, Final it's law of semiotics of the season. <laughs> And so make it count. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> An author shall not read only one genre or style of writing. Uh. <laughs> Does this have to be the last one? Don't, what about you? Don't you pull one? No, we do three. All right. I mean, I'll pull one if you insist. But zero to get the zero one. Well, let's talk about this first, which is that uh, none of us seem to love this premise. Oh, yeah, anything that starts with an author shall not. Like, oh, <laughs> well, to be fair, most of, them, <laughs> most of them start with a shall not. Yeah, but that's dumb. <laughs> an author shall not it's start like the with an author shall yeah. not. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what, what is that? What's a piece of paper tell me I can't do? An author shall not read only one genre or style of writing. Which, I mean, I do see some people doing that. Um, where it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe go outside of your comfort zone once in a while, but this, I don't think it's like some sort of epidemic. So, so I, I mean, it's saying, like, if you're a fantasy author, you shouldn't only read fantasy. You should 
watch yeah, House of Cards. Try to learn about other. <laughs> <laughs> well, House of Cards is clearly fantasy. I think you've established that. Yeah. I mean, there's something that you, Philip, have been doing with this podcast, which is you usually will read a book somebody suggests for mm. the podcast to talk about it, then in order to get yourself out of, because normally you like to read really old stuff. <laughs> and you just stick to that old stuff usually, or comic books. <laughs> um, but now it's either <laughs> it's either ancient trash or modern trash. <laughs> you know your trash before you make new trash. <laughs> but you sort of recognize that as an issue, and then you're sort of taking this as an opportunity to to read other stuff outside your comfort zone. So I mean, I honestly, a lot of it was that I'm just I'm hosting a show about speculative fiction, so I was like, I should probably read more of it <laughs> like than like the Dragonlance novels I read as a teenager. I think I grumbled about this one because I just I don't like anything that just suggests like people should wait or collect the exact amount of knowledge before they start creating. Everybody's oh, yeah, creative yeah. and I don't this is like a great rule. And, and I guess it is like you're saying you're already running your show and, you, and you're reading stuff because you want to. That's great. Yeah. But the shell not of like some writing gods coming down from on high. Like, Philip, do not run a speculative fiction open mic until you've read these 18 novels. That's bullshit. Just go do your thing. You make some mistakes. It doesn't matter. All right. Do you want to read Zero thrill. Zero thrill. You're responsible for this. <laughs> Here we go. Here it is. Are we ready? Oh. I actually 100% agree with this. Prison rape isn't funny. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think that, it, yeah, that's always bugged me that there's just some sort of thing like, oh, it's okay because they're in prison. Aha. Uh -huh. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's still rape. So, it's it's yeah. a really bizarre, like. Not by uh, itself. If you were to, like, put funny sounds behind <laughs> 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 Yeah, I think uh, I think the zeroth rule is really good because it was canceled out by the previous semiotic uh, that said maybe there's too much rape, and then one of the four things we drew also had rape again. So I think that rule was proven. <laughs> Maybe relax. Even with the Benny Hill music. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but you know what? Part, Josh really wants to prove this rule wrong. <laughs> I mean, but part of what bothers me is is the whole. I mean, there is like a political undercurrent to that of uh, no. criminals deserve everything they get. You know, I mean, isn't that why it's, it's always a punchline? Yeah, that's every, the attitude like, that I don't you know? like. It's like, okay, so you screwed up in society, and now we can just do whatever we want to you and make yeah. any joke about you. It's like, they're still humans. And yeah. I'm not going to say that you can't joke about anything, obviously, but <laughs> it's, it's super lazy, and it's really easy to just write those people off hmm. just because they... Did something wrong. It's it, punching down, you. Can, yeah. <laughs> can I throw out one more semiotic? Do it. That I'm interested in. They, um, the, the host of the podcast shall come up with a transition to end on a more oh god <laughs> than prison rape. <laughs> oh, what about prison rape with sound effects? <laughs> Josh, Jeff, Jeff, get back, back up here. Oh. We're gonna do this. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is our show. So, we've all collectively agreed that 
Prison <laughs> rape is bad, except for that one guy in the back. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, oh, I uh, love that. You should have ended 30 though. seconds sooner, right? No, no, I'll keep digging this hole. Yes, keep I'll going. just keep. Thou <laughs> shalt not dig a hole at the end yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> Actually, this seems like the entirely appropriate note to end this season <laughs> on in terms of us blurting impolitic things Drunkenly, into a yeah. microphone. That, it just doesn't uh, have your dog walking around in the background chewing her ch- shoes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Not-So-Silent Planet, a speculative podcast, which is we will be back next year. And also, we are spun out of what I believe to be the only recurring open mic in the country dedicated to speculative fiction, that is sci-fi, fantasy, or supernatural horror, uh, taking place at Kieran's Irish Pub in downtown Minneapolis monthly. If you have words that you would like to throw in the face of an audience that involve (laughs) robots or elves or some genre trope, we have a space where you can do that. <laughs> He's turning into the super <laughs> <laughs> Now talk really loud and fast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> That's our show. Thank you. <laughs> story holds a thousand seeds A proverbial A not-so-silent planet A not-so-silent planet A not-so-silent planet